Pittsburgh Steelers fans, welcome back to another episode of The Standard is the Standard, the BehindTheSteelCurtain.com flagship podcast. As always, I'm editor of BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, Jeff Harbin, co-host, and with me as always is Lance. I know, Lance, uh, we did not get to talk after the Patriots game in Week 15. You're very upset for a lot of reasons and a lot of different things, so... You told me before we went on the air that you wanted to, you were going to go into like an epic rant here. I'm going to give you your soapbox, and I want you to get one <laughs> you off your chest because I got a chance to do that on Sunday. Go ahead, the stage is yours. It's, it's see see now now that it's Thursday, now that my vacation is starting. <laughs> uh, you know I let, let's just run through it. I, I think you guys will hear my frustration as. We talk about different points in the ball game. As I actually watch the ball game while I'm doing the show, I'm kind of getting, you know, somewhat heated again, you know, like I did when, you know, the game was playing. But anyway, the first thing I wanted to jump into, and I hit my face for the program because after that last 30 seconds, I, I just need to hide my face until the playoffs. So that, you know, that that's why I'm hiding my face because, hey, if you can't see my face, I can't have any responsibility. It wasn't me. You know, I can do the Ben Roethlisberger and say, what, it, it, it wasn't me. Uh, but anyway, the catch rule. Go ahead. Go ahead. The you start, rule. You're starting with that. Okay, that's fine. I'm going to start with the catch rule. All right. Riddle me this, Jeff. You've played sports. You've coached okay. sports. Yes. Is it possible to catch a football, or excuse me, to not catch a football and extend it? No. Okay. Not catch a football. So you can't, you're physically not catching it, yet you're extending it. So no, yes. you have to catch the football to extend it. Yes. Okay. So, so, so rid of me that. Here's my biggest issue with surviving the ground. One, that doesn't exist in any other level of football. And two, what do you call a bad rule that's officiated inconsistently? I mean, that's just the atrocity. See, the thing is, the rule is bad in and of itself, but I think I could accept the rule more if it was called consistently. And I'm glad that guys on Twitter, they do a fantastic job, pointed out the Brandon Cook catch that shouldn't have been a catch that was ruled a catch in New England's comeback victory against Houston. So that, that was my biggest thing with the rule, is that the rule is bad, but they compound how bad it is by the refs not officiating it consistently. What were your thoughts when you first saw it, Jeff? Well, when I saw the play live, myself, like probably every other black and gold fan anywhere in the world watching – was unbelievably excited uh, because the eye test tells you it's a touchdown. Um, I could ask my nine-year-old son, is this a touchdown? And he'd say, yes. And he doesn't know that much about football. Um, I think you could ask anyone on the street, is this a touchdown? They'd say yes. Uh, what I don't like, now I, I don't like the rule, but the rule is the rule. And that's what everyone said. You know, By the letter of the, the law, the rule was followed correctly, blah, yada, yada, yada. My issue is with, and a great article was written today for our website. If you haven't checked it out yet, do so by Tony Defoe, who wrote about the replay system itself. I hate how every single play 
is now under the microscope. And I literally mean the microscope. Uh, for instance, I have yet to see concrete visual evidence that Jesse James, that, or let me, let me rephrase, that, that the football ever touched the ground. You have yet to see it, whether it's a still photo, whether it's a video. Every single thing that I've seen, you can see his right hand, that it, it might be on the ground. I'm not saying it isn't. It, the, the football might be on the ground, but his hand's there, which leads me to think maybe his fingers are underneath the football. And the what I kept coming back to is, how are you going to overturn this call? Because you the ruling on the field, which should trump everything, and that's something that Dean Blandino, who used to be the director of officiating, he stepped down going into this season, he said that's what they always had to figure out. It had to be so black and white that the call on the field was wrong. If there was any question of, eh, we're not sure, we always went with the call on the field. That's what I didn't get because I never saw it. It was never that black and white to me. I never felt that the play, that it was, it should have been overturned, essentially. And I'm, I honestly am not looking at this through my black and gold glasses. I'm looking at this strictly as a football fan. Um, I, I just I, I don't like the, that part of the game. I don't like how when Antonio Brown or anyone makes a tremendous catch on the sideline, the first thing that happens is that super slow-mo instant replay. And I know they want to get it right. I get why they're doing it. It just is taking a lot of steam away from the game, in my opinion. Um, that was my initial thought. And then it's just been hammered to death by now. Uh, the whole, you know, is he a runner? He's not a runner. The runner can cross the plane and then it's over, but he's not. He's a receiver. And did he make an athletic move? And what is a football move? Did He was on his knee and he still had possession. Does that count? Was he down by contact? I don't know. I want to give you a chance if you have anything else to say about it before I kind of bring up what I want to talk about next. Hey, sports fans, football season's here, and it's time to get in on the action with MyBookie. MyBookie is the industry-leading sports betting website that offers real Vegas odds on football, baseball, and all your favorite sporting events. You can take a side, the total, or even fantasy points props. MyBookie lets you bet online and win big. Did the game already kick off? Don't sweat it. MyBookie has in-game live betting on every major league and event, even eSports. There's no better time to join MyBookie than today. Go to MyBookie to open an account and start winning. Use promo code CHAMPION when you register for your account and get a 100% sign-up bonus up to $1,000 on your first deposit. Bet today. Visit MyBookie's website or call 844-866-2387. That's 844-866-2387. Check them out today and use promo code CHAMPION for a 100% bonus. Terms and conditions apply for entertainment purposes only. Void where prohibited. Hey, sports fans. Football season's here, and it's time to get in on the action with MyBookie. MyBookie is the industry-leading sports betting website that offers real Vegas odds on football, baseball, and all your favorite sporting events. You can take a side, the total, or even fantasy points props. MyBookie lets you bet online and win big. Did the game already kick off? Don't sweat it. MyBookie has in-game live betting on every major league and event, even esports. There's no better time to join MyBookie than today. Go to MyBookie to open an account and start winning. Use promo code CHAMPION when you register for your account and get a 100% sign-up bonus up to $1,000 on your first deposit. Bet today. Visit MyBookie's website or call 844-866-2387. That's 844-866-2387. 
Check them out today and use promo code CHAMPION for a 100% bonus. Terms and conditions apply for entertainment purposes only. Void where prohibited. No, I mean, that 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 play is pretty dead. It, it's, it's just a bad role. And you brought up the key word that I brought up was inconsistency. Their inconsistency in how they use replay, and they're very inconsistent of how they officiate this call. You put those two in, uh, consistencies together, and it makes for a very frustrated fan base. And it leads to the real reason why NFL ratings indeed may be down this year. It's because of bad officiating of the like. Yeah. Now, you said that you said that, that play has been beaten like a dead horse. And I agree, it has been. It's really no need to talk about it. But here's something that is still, in my opinion, gaining momentum. Because little by little, we've heard a little bit more of the story. And a little bit more of the story. And now we've kind of gotten to that final piece of the story. And the story that I'm talking about is what what transpired after Juju Smith-Schuster um, gets tackled, uh, and I have a little conspiracy theory to talk about that after after this, about Juju Smith-Schuster in a second. He gets tackled. They run the play to Jesse James, and now we're under review. This is what is becoming, in me, in my opinion, it's very interesting. They asked Ben Roethlisberger after, afterwards, why didn't you clock the ball? He said, because in my headset, they were telling me, don't clock it. So I decided to run a play. But we know what happened with the play. We know that Eli Rogers had his jersey pulled and it wasn't called, all that stuff. But that's not the story. The story is what the officials were telling Mike Tomlin on the sideline about all the scenarios. And if you listen to his press conference on Tuesday, he outlined all of them. He said they told him the most common, what he should be most prepared for is them to rule Jesse James was down at the one-yard line there's going to be an automatic buy rule, 10-second runoff, because a team cannot benefit from a automatic challenge inside two minutes, and that when the ball was spotted, the clock was going to start running. Therefore, you really only had time for one play. So they ran out with one play. Okay. We're learning a little bit more. Then you see the video. Now, Lance, have you seen that footage from with the NFL sound effects that was on um, – uh, the NFL show they have on Showtime. I forget what it's inside the NFL. Have you seen that clip yet? I haven't seen the clip, but I, I, I read something about it. I've seen both the elongated clip, which was from uh, the Jesse James, like right coming out of it, just to when the Darius Hayward Bay pass, he gets tackled and bounds. Either way, you hear Mike Tomlin saying, He's the, we're not clocking it. We need a play. Send him a play. Send him a play. And because of the cameras behind Tomlin and it, the, the, they're looking at the play in front of him, you can see the chaos on the field because they don't have a plan. Now, today, Thursday, which is when we're recording this, Todd Haley spoke to the media and he told the media, kind of giving himself a break, that they had planned for that pass play to Darius Hayward Bay. They said it's either going to get out of bounds, it's either going to be incomplete, or it's going to be a touchdown. That's it. Those are the only three options. Getting tackled in bounds is never an option. Nonetheless, Roethlisberger does have to check it down to Darius Hayward Bay. It's a nice tackle by Malcolm Butler, and they have no freaking plan in place. That's what bothered me the most, and it's not. It's a really bad look for the Steelers coaching staff. Um, 
you can just see it. And I, 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 I check out, I retweeted it this morning on the behind the steel curtain, uh, Twitter page. Uh, so you can go out and check that clip, but it just does not look good for the Steelers. What were your thoughts on that whole, that, that whole time period of just really, really weird stuff? Like why the hell would they tell him to prepare to be down at the one? He was never touched. Jesse James would never be ruled down at the one yard line. He was never touched. And so, I think from the official standpoint all the way down to the coaching standpoint, that was a butchered sequence. And it resulted in their loss. I mean, going back to the play to Darius Hayward Bay, you don't make that throw. I mean, that play in and of itself, I thought, and that choice was a bad throw as well. I mean, that throw is available to you, but it's dead to you in case he gets tackled. So you don't take that throw. You throw outside the numbers. You're trying to throw that ball out of bounds so you can have maximum time, so you can run as many plays as possible. So, you know, I thought that play was bad. I thought that was the start of the bad sequence. And, of course, Tomlin's going to try to clean it up. So he's almost like the lying husband, right? He keeps finding different scenarios and ways to try to clean up the mistake and the lie that he originally told his wife. Oh, yeah, I do remember that. Yeah, I added this. Look, they botched it. And, you know, it's a bad look. The quarterback throws throws them under the bus. They try to recover. The coach defends the quarterback. You know, this is what happens when you lose in this fashion under the microscope against a hated rival. You know, this is what happens. They weren't on the same accord. It didn't go down right. They lose the ball game. And, um, you know, unfortunately – you know, they don't look prepared. But ultimately, Ben Steele has the choice to throw that ball. And so regardless of if there were multiple plays, two plays or not, the one play you can't make is throwing the ball where he threw it. That play is dead. There's too many people there. You can't well, make that throw. He's not open. Throw the ball through the goalpost, kick a field goal, so if he makes the right quarterback play, all of this is resolved. They may win or lose in overtime. We don't know. But it was also all of that came to a head with really bad quarterbacking in that spot. Well, you know, you know what else screwed the pooch on this is the officials because come to find out, and if you watch the game replay um, of the actual broadcast, you see the, the big completion to Juju Smith-Schuster. And... You, they they be watching Roethlisberger and he's just motioning timeout, timeout, timeout. And Tony Rome even says, "Yeah, good job, Ben. Gal, timeout. Give yourself a chance to recover." When in reality, at least according to Mike Tomlin, Ben Roethlisberger wasn't signaling to Tony Carrente that he wanted a timeout. Yeah, he was looking at the bench, asking Tomlin, "Do you want a timeout?" Because that is not supposed to be the quarterbacks. that The officials are not supposed to grant the quarterback a timeout in that situation. That's only supposed to come from the sideline. Carrente gives Roethlisberger a timeout when in reality, according to Tomlin, they wanted to pocket that timeout. They wanted to hurry up, spike the football, give themselves probably about 18 seconds. There's a plenty of time to still probably run two plays and still be able to use the middle of the field, which would have changed everything. And so that's why when I say this whole series was botched from the officiating down, it was botched from the officiating down. Tony Carrente is not a first-year official. 
you have to know you don't give the quarterback the timeout. You you should be getting it from the sideline. The side judge is the one that should be whistling the play dead if the coach wants a timeout. So the funny thing for me is there's a couple things. Number one, I thought the Steelers played a very good game offensively and defensively. They ran the ball well on offense. They kept the ball away from Tom Brady. They did everything right except for the three and out with about three minutes left. Um, Let me get – when you finish, I want to get on – I want to get to that. Okay. Do you have something else to get to before we get to that? Well, now that you're talking about it, here's the thing that jumped out to me about the two series before that. Uh, the series prior to that when they don't throw the ball on second and 25 – and you know they but run they, the ball. They ran a draw. The they run a draw exactly. The right. Fitzgerald is on. Yeah. Exactly. They basically yeah. quit on the drive. So that that was horrible. <laughs> the next drive, though, the Juju Schuster play just illustrates just how bad the decision was to run the ball on first down on that sequence because when they had they drew up a play the next series that got almost 70 yards on first down. So if you put the ball in the quarterback's hands to win the game in that moment, that's the best decision. You stay aggressive there. You do not run the football, especially when all of America is like, they're going to run the football. You just don't do it there. You let Ben Roethlisberger win the game with his arm, and you try to convert a first down by throwing the football. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, Lance. They did the patented Todd Haley run-run pass that series, right? Ran it on first and second, passed it on third, correct? Yes, I believe so. I'm okay, I believe so. I'm okay personally with a first down run because the way they had been running it, even with a loaded box in that game, they've been, they were getting four, sometimes five yards on first down. If they could have gotten that, then, okay, you're on schedule. You have an open playbook for second and third down. You can still run it on either down if you want. The problem was is they got stuffed for maybe a one-yard gain or no gain at all. And then on second down, that's when you throw it. You throw it on second down, and then you throw it again on third if you have to. But you're got to – I just didn't like the whole – I understand what you're saying. You want to stay aggressive. I, I, I said this in an article. You, you look at the, the, the contrast in week 15 against the Ravens. Everyone hated the fact that they were too aggressive, and they gave the Ravens time at the end of the game. I think in a, in a way, Todd Haley looked at the fact that they were actually running the ball well per carry. Le'Veon Bell's yards per carry were, were up, and I think that he felt that they could still move the ball even against a loaded box. So I'm okay with a, run, a first down run. I just didn't like the second down run. And then the third down call, maybe it's a rookie mistake, but Juju Smith-Schuster doesn't run the routes of the sticks. He catches it, doesn't able, isn't able to get the fight to get the extra yard, and they have to punt the football. Um, I think a veteran, I think a veteran might run to the. I think the veteran might run the route to the sticks. So if you catch it, you're down, and you have a first down. You have a new set of downs. So let me correct this. Let me let me correct. On second yep. and nine, they called a pass play. Roethlisberger scrambled for five, so it ended up being two runs. But they had a called pass play on second down. Got it. Okay. All right. So, so I, yeah. So you know, for me, I, I hate the first down call. I, I hate the first down call. What about this though? And you know, when you play the Patriots, you have to play it. In my opinion, because of Tom Brady, and when they punt it, 
I mean, I mean, everybody knew it to a man. They're going to score a touchdown. It's coming. Like you, you knew it was coming. And we're going to get into that question as well, especially how they were playing defense. You knew it was coming. Why not go for it on fourth and one? Is that, you know, is, that, that, that is that too aggressive in that spot? I mean, because against Brady, I mean, whether it's 70 yards or it's 28 yards, he the Billy Goat was coming to get you. It, the momentum had shifted. Gronk was rolling. The Billy Goat was coming. Quick death, slow death. Death was on its way. It was marching. It was riding a pale horse, and Gronkowski was in the saddle. I, I, being spurred I, I, by Tom Brady. So it, was that too aggressive in that spot to go for it on fourth and down in that place? The way that you and I think, no. The way the conventional thought thinks, yes. The way that you and I think is that if you go for it on fourth and one and somehow don't get it, Tom Brady's going to shoot the field, and you're probably going to get the football back with time to actually go and make a play. Absolutely. That, that's the way that we think. Conventional thinking, in other words, old school football thinking, is not that way. They think we punt the ball away and you trust your defense. When, in my opinion, without Ryan Shazier, I don't trust this defense, period. Not against the Patriots. Uh, against the Ravens, yeah, sure. Uh, especially with Joe Hayden if he were on the field. But uh, without Shazier, with Gronk, um, hey, we saw what happened. And like you said, I, I knew that a field goal was definitely going to be in the cards. But my goodness, three plays, four-play drive. That was a four-play drive, three passes to Gronk, run into the end zone, and then a two-point conversion to Gronk. I'm going to let you talk about I'm going to let you talk about the defense. So if you're going to go to the defense side, go ahead. To your point, Jeff, I understand the conventional thinking. Hell, I'm an old guy. You're the young guy. Um, And and, and the pretty guy, too. Um, (laughs) When it comes to Brady, you have to throw conventional shit out the window. I mean, you just have to. I mean, because he's not a conventional guy. Shit, he's the billy goat. The billy goats aren't conventional. He's licking his chops. He's like, oh. We got Sean Davis dead to rights. Uh, we about to go get these boys. Just punt the ball. Please punt the ball. I mean, I, I think in that spot, if you have to do it again, you can't be selectively you, you can't be selectively aggressive. It had to be a 100 uh, you know, foot on the pedal approach that game. And, and I thought that was a spot where they could have been aggressive. You've got to get one yard to win the game. Go get the damn one yard. I mean, you got the best running back in football. Get the one yard. Run to the perimeter. Get the one yard. But in terms of the defense, and and I've thought long and hard about this, and I'm going to ask you the question after I, I, I respond. For the most part, I thought the Steelers' approach of playing man-to-man coverage worked. It broke down, obviously, late in the game. Because the Patriots weren't getting creative, and neither were the Steelers. We're throwing it to Gronk. He's going to catch it. If you don't adjust, he's going to keep catching it. But overall, if you had told me that this defense would have held the Patriots to 19 points with approximately two minutes remaining in this game, I would have told you that that was a, a success. 
not just a success, but a roaring success. So I think they're on the right path. I think it needs a little bit of tweaking. But just let me but answer this question. Did you think man-to-man worked and overall the approach worked in this football game? Yes. I thought that Keith Butler was very creative in how he used his man concepts. There were some man zone concepts if you watch the game again. And people sometimes think like it's just Artie Burns lines up against this guy and he runs with him down the field. There were occasions where that happened, but there was a lot of different defensive looks that the Steelers gave Tom Brady, ones that he had not seen before. The one thing I like now is that we know that this team can run zone. Whether you think it's successful or not is a moot point at this stage. What And Keith Butler said this today as he met with the media is that he was so pleasantly surprised with how the man defense went against New England you might be seeing more of this against anyone. I mean, in my opinion, you use these last two weeks of the regular season to fine-tune that stuff. Joe Hayden's probably going to be back this week. You're going to have your full secondary back on the field for probably the first time since right around the bye week. Um, this would be a great time to have your defense really fine-tune that man defense that you want to do. I mean, going against the Texans, that'd be a perfect opportunity. Going against the Browns, same thing. Um, I think that what he can do now is he really has a lot of different arrows in his sleeve that he can use. He can run man. He can run zone. He can mix them together at times. I did think it was successful, but the one thing that I mentioned in an article afterwards is that I didn't see the adjustment when the Patriots adjusted. We know that New England is well-coached. I hate their coaching staff, especially Belichick. Um, but they're very good at what they do. They're a very well-coached team. You know that they're going to make adjustments. You know that by the fourth quarter, they're going to figure out what you're trying to do. And once they do, well, exhibit A, Rob Gronkowski runs all over you. Now, Mike Tomlin said that there were plans to double-team him, yet for some reason, it never happened. You can't have those mental mistakes, number one, especially in crunch time. And number two, you have to throw an adjustment. Maybe you go to zone there in the fourth and, and make him fit it into a small window and prevent the big play because when they were getting burnt, it was down the seam. We're talking chunk plays. That can't happen. Yeah, for- it, it's tough. It's tough. It's very difficult to to guard Rob Gronkowski. And I hope Steeler fans at least throw the New England Patriots a little bit of a bone and say, Tom Brady is ridiculous at times. And Rob Gronkowski, when he is on, is almost unguardable, period. Yeah. Because there were some throws that Sean Davis had perfect coverage, and it was just you can't defend the perfect throw and a great catch. And so sometimes you just have to tip your hat and say, well, damn, damn it. (laughs) That's it. and, and, And I'd like to add that you can't defend the perfect throw the perfect catch, especially when that monster pushes off. I mean, Gronk, you know, if you watch Gronk on film, and I, and I invite anyone to do that, get NFL Game Pass. I hate to be a guy doing a commercial for the NFL, but Game Pass is awesome. <laughs> get Game Pass, watch Rob Gronkowski, watch him run dig routes and skinny posts. When he runs those routes, he will push off with the opposite hand that the route in the direction that the route is going to. 
So if he's running a skinny post to the right, he's going to push off with his left. If he throws, if he's running a a dig route to his to his left, he's going to push off with his right. He's going to push off to get that extra bit of separation. Now you combine that with the fact that he's 6'7", 265, and when he turns his shoulders, he's going to create that room anyway. I mean, you, you just can't recover. You know, you push a Sean Davis, you push a linebacker, anybody. He's not giving you a love tap. He's hitting you. So he's going to knock you off center while he's running full speed, and you just can't recover. And Tom is going to put the ball in a perfect spot where you can't get to it anyway. I, I was just thinking to myself about as I was watching it again, you know, one thing, it's unacceptable to say you had the double team plans, but you don't know why they didn't happen. You're the head coach. Call the double team. I mean, you're the head coach. I mean, the head coach can overrule any defensive call and offensive call and call both if he wants. Call the double teams. Yeah. Davis is getting shredded. I'm looking at like I'm like poor Sean Davis. It was so bad. Gronk pointed at him on a two point conversion and laughed. I mean, he laughed at him. I'm like, why wouldn't he? he was getting roasted? And the one thing that I saw that he was doing wrong. He was playing on Gronk's head, meaning he was not giving Gronk inside leverage. So if he was going to play on his head or outside leverage, Gronk's open immediately, especially if he's getting a clean release. It's a completion if you don't get pressure because he's just going to run the slant, turn his shoulders. You're going to trail on his back. He's going to push you off, and it's going to be a catch. The other thing that stood out to me on this defense, particularly on the long completion on the Patriots' first drive in the first quarter, is that Mike Mitchell has to have better route recognition and he has to be a little bit more rangy. On a one-person route, you can't get beat to the corner like that, even if Artie Burns has a mental fart and doesn't retreat to his deep third in cover three. There's one route. I mean, the play action isn't holding you as well. You're 30 yards behind the ball. So I'd like to see if you're going to play cover one and sit in the middle of the field to be able to get there, or excuse me, cover three, if you're that deep safety in the middle to be able to get there. But overall, I thought the philosophy was sound. I would have loved that they they could have made an adjustment to help Sean Davis out. But boy, he was getting baptized by the Holy Ghost by Rob Gronkowski. Honestly, you you watch that final stretch, and unless Rob Gronkowski is out wide, if he's anywhere near the the set the inset position, which is right off the tight end or off the tackle, because um, sometimes they they run a lot of two tight end sets in New England, he should be getting chucked off the line of scrimmage. Put T.J. Watt if he's on his side. Put Bud Dupree on the other side and say, look, if he's lined up on your side when the ball is snapped. You hit him in the chest as hard as you can. I don't care if you try to rip his head off. As long as you don't get a penalty, you don't let him get off the line of scrimmage where he wants to go. Good teams at guard Gronk do that every play. Rex Ryan, when he had success against New England, did that almost every play. And still, they ran land coverage. Good job, Steelers. They still didn't do that enough against Gronk. And that's frustrating because if he split out wide, I get why you don't, although you still could. You could still run man's own schemes and you could have heck you could have um, 
you could have TJ Watt out there on him and he could still cover his zone on the other underneath routes and stuff of that nature. There's ways around it. And it's so frustrating to me, but you know, we've spent about 30 minutes talking about this game. I didn't want to spend that much time <laughs> talking about this game, but you know what? It felt like a playoff game. And ben yeah, I mean, it did. I mean, yeah, Ben Roethlisberger alluded to that when he met with media on Wednesday, but he said something that I thought was very poignant. So poignant. I wrote an article about it for the website, which was, the one thing that's great about this team, this game, this loss, is that it wasn't their last game. They have two more games to solidify a first-round buy, if not a first seed, depending on how the Patriots do, and then they get into the game's account. I think this, this game should piss off the Steelers. They should be freaking pissed, and they should be ready to take it out on the Houston Texans. And I know that from some people that it's tough to get ready for the Houston Texans because they're a I think what's a record four and 10 maybe at this point uh, in the season. It's not good. They've had so many big name players get hurt and done for the year. Uh, whether it's JJ Watt, Deshaun Watson, all these players have just been, they're down to their third string quarterback, but uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers still have a ton of play for um, in, in regards to the overall approach to the Texans game. Some are already talking about the trap game because it's coming off an emotional game. They're a 10-point favorite on the road, primetime, Christmas Day. Lance, what's your reaction on this game moving forward, meaning how does the Patriots' loss impact the Steelers in Week 16 and 17 and then beyond? There's a time and a place for black and white, like when you're learning to play piano, or when you want a big two-toned cookie, or when shopping for a pet zebra. But if you want to attract customers, there's no room for black and white, so go to Staples. Staples specializes in bold, hard-to-miss color printing. And now at Staples, get 20% back in rewards on color printing, from banners to brochures and copies to presentations. Print more color, save more money at Staples. In-store only. Ends 11 10, 18. Restrictions apply. See store associate or staples.com slash 20 back for details. I don't think it has any impact on the Texan game. Um, I think this is a resilient football team that we've seen. And, I mean, they know that they don't – I mean, they're the two seed if they went out. But, you know, they – they you know, and with the A-B injury, they have a lot to play for, and I think they'll be focused on it. And, and I think with A-B and A-B being out, I think these guys, Eli Rogers, Juju Schuster – uh, Martavis Bryant and those guys stepped up and played played great ball games with ABB and now I think I think they're going to see this as their opportunity on a national spotlight to get some burn and get some shine because I mean that's how these guys are I mean they're team guys but they're selfish guys as well and that's why they've gotten as far as they got so I think they're going to look at it as an opportunity to get some shine and I think they just want to close this game out strong because to a man not to a fan, they want to play the Patriots again. As a fan, I don't want to see that matchup again. I, I don't want my emotions. I don't want to be pissed off till Wednesday uh, again. This, <laughs> you know, I, I don't want that to happen again. So I, I don't want it to happen. They yeah. want it to happen. So, um, you know, I think they're going to close this season out strong, and I think they're going to finish the year 13-3. and three. To me, defensively, I mean, if they want to keep rocking, and this is my rhyme, if they want to keep rocking, they got to stop Hops, Hopkins. But to do that, they've got to stop the run first. And that was a little disappointing in this game as well, is that the Patriots ran the ball very well against them. And that's one of the things we've seen this year, is they've been inconsistent stopping the run, and they've been downright bad stopping the run since Shazier has been out of the lineup. So 
What I want them to see is play the run very well, choke that off, get after TJ Yates, and I'm playing zone against Hopkins. I don't want to play man-to-man one-on-one to give TJ Yates easy looks and easy opportunities. Zone it off. He's the one guy that can beat you. Run the ball well. Let's get after these guys. Stop the run. And, uh, you know, get to that Cleveland game. Yeah. Uh, offensively, and I said this before we went on the air, I haven't watched a lick of tape on the Texans yet. But offensively, every time they play the Houston Texans, and if the Texans are down, not having a good year, I always think back, uh, trying to think, maybe this might have been 2003, uh, which was a season where the Tommy Maddox led. Pittsburgh Steelers went down to Houston. It might have been later than that. I apologize. I don't know. Tommy Maddox goes down to the Houston Texans and Derek Carr, or David Carr, I'm sorry. David Carr is the quarterback. David Carr and the Texans offense gather 47 total yards of offense, and they win the game. If you remember that game, I think Tommy Maddox threw two, maybe three pick sixes, and the Steelers lost a stunner when the Pittsburgh Steelers defense held the Texans to 47 total yards of offense. That's how you can lose a game like this. You can lose a game like this because you turn the football over. You can lose a game like this because you are unprepared and you go down there. And and honestly, this is, I honestly think that this is a contest where if they don't turn the ball over, I don't think there's a chance they lose even without Antonio Brown because Jadavion Clowney can wreck a game, but they do get Marcus Gilbert back. That's big Um, on defense. um, Joe Hayden should be back. I mentioned that Uh, Vance McDonald was a full participant at practice today. He's a big part of the running game, and he's also turned into a pretty nice, very athletic weapon at tight end. So I like the Steelers offense here. Um, We'll get to pick some predictions here in a second. Um, You got to love, Jeff, you got to not cut you off. You got to love the internet. The game was 2002. Oh, there you go. I was close. I said three. I said 2003. That was in 2003. They finished six and 10. But you got the yards right. Yep. They had 47 yards in the game and three first downs. The Steelers <laughs> had 422 yards. And they lost the game 24 to 6. Yep. Yeah, I remember that game like as yesterday. I wanted to punch someone right in the face. It was horrible. Internet is great. It's great that you can find that stuff <laughs> in seconds. It's 2002, is that what you said? Yes, yes, 2002. My daughter was born that year. So, yeah, 15 years ago. That was one of the worst games I've ever witnessed. And that yeah. was one of those games where I'm like, jeez, why, why, why am I putting myself through this? <laughs> uh, yeah, so – uh, let's go ahead and with that, let's get to our predictions. Uh, I'll go first. Um, I, I do think that this loss to the Patriots is going to motivate the Steelers in a way, and a lot of fans can't wrap their head around that. But I know one thing about Mike Tomlin. He is a motivator, and he's going to use this to his advantage. Uh, I think the Steelers go down there. I think they win. I think that they uh, move the ball well enough. I would love to say they put up enough that they're able to you know, take some guys out, but I don't think that's going to be the case. I'm going to say uh, Pittsburgh Steelers um, I'll say Pittsburgh Steelers 31 Houston Texans 13. What do you have? 
I think the Steelers win, but you know he's just you know ten point favorites. Uh, I don't know. Uh, Steelers win this game twenty eight seventeen. I probably won't watch. I'm sure I'll be at the movies Christmas night. Um, and speaking of Christmas, want to wish everybody out there that's listening to the program uh, a Merry Christmas, a Happy Kwanzaa, Happy Hanukkah, Happy New Year, Festivus, whatever you celebrate. I want to wish you a happy one of those. Okay, now before we get off the air, there's a couple things. The first thing I want to talk about the uh, Juju Smith-Schuster catch and run. Now, if you don't have Game Pass, now Lance, I haven't looked this up on Game Pass. You have to do it. I want to the, the all 22 of the 70 yard catch and run on first down and the, the the final drive for the Steelers. I had a reader of the website email me and saying, Jeff, I want you to look at this play again and tell me if it doesn't look like. If he stays along the sideline and doesn't cut it back to the middle of the field, he has Jesse James blocking and would gain just as many yards, or if not enough, he's already in field goal range, that he could have just stepped out of bounds and they wouldn't have had to worry about burning a timeout. So I went back, and I didn't, like I said, didn't go to Game Pass yet, haven't had time, but I did look it up on YouTube, and I'll be damned if it doesn't look like if Juju Smith-Schuster hugs the sideline the entire right way down, he does have Jesse James in front of him, and he would be able to just step out of bounds. Instead, he cuts it inside, trying to score. I'm not blaming him for doing it, but he's trying to score. He cuts it inside. Then we have the frantic timeout, and then we all know how it all unravels from there. Check that out and see. Yeah, what I have. Doing. I have. Yeah, he he did do that. You're you're exactly right. They did not. They were not playing to tie that game and go to overtime. They were strictly in a we're going to win this game mindset. I mean, they were just deer in the headlights. We got to win. Yeah. We got to get this monkey off our back. I think that's, that went into a lot of, of what you saw in that last play. The concept of the play was great. They ran a nice pick play in the middle of the field to get him free. Uh, Martavis Bryant ran the pick or the rub to get uh, Juju Schuster free on that play, which put the uh, – I think it was a linebacker they had on him in a trail position, and they ran a vertical route to clear out that whole space. That's why he was wide open. That whole area was completely free. And, uh, you know, speaking of Tony Romo, he made some good points, too, in that game. And looking at the all-22 of the game, he was talking about how Martavis didn't flatten out that route on on, on the uh, skinny post route that he tried to run that wasn't complete. And he was absolutely right. I mean, if if he flattens that route out, he catches that and he scores a touchdown. So you guys got to get the game pass. There's these subtle nuances that you see going on in games that are awesome. But before we get out of here, Jeff, uh, what's your thought on the Pro Bowl selections? Do you think uh, Cameron Hayward got snubbed? I do think he got snubbed, and it's not necessarily his fault. It's the it's the actual game itself. He's considered a defensive end, and how are you going to compare him and Khalil Mack? They're two different style players. Um, he should be considered with a a defensive tackle and a 4-3 defense, and that's that's what bothers me is they don't have a clear-cut – Typically, they, they have him as – when you're picked to the Pro Bowl, you're picked almost as like a 4-3 defense. They do have outside linebackers in terms of Vaughn Miller and things of like that, but he just gets screwed because the defensive front, they never really justify a 3-4 a defensive end that gets 10 sacks with two games left. Man, I mean, this is not a James Harrison, Lamar Woodley outside linebacker from the bookend that's coming down to, to get a bunch of sacks. That's tremendous. I think he did get snubbed. But you know what? Ultimately, the Steelers are going to be busy that week. 
uh, preparing for Super Bowl 52. And so I don't think anyone's really going to care that he didn't make the team. But in terms of recognition, yeah, it does suck. What did you think? Yeah, I thought he was going to make it. When you play three, four defensive end and you get 10 sacks, you, you should be on the Pro Bowl. Yeah, I absolutely yeah. should. Because he may finish with like 12, 13 sacks before it's all done. And that would be phenomenal. I mean, I didn't think, you know, I think Aaron Smith got double-digit sacks once. I believe he got 10. Yeah, but once. he never made a Pro Bowl either. He never made a Pro Bowl. As good as wow. he was, never made a yeah. Pro Bowl. And that's what everyone's comparing him to. Now, I do have one last question for you, Lance. And actually, let's go with two. Number one, what's your favorite Christmas movie? Uh, Christmas Story. Ah, ooh, great choice. It's always between that and National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation for me. Hey, Ralphie, he'll shoot your eye out. Hey, Ralphie. Exactly. That's, 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 and that's, that's movie. You live in Los You live out in California, not Los Angeles. You live out in California. You've seen the movie Die Hard. Is it a Christmas movie, yay or nay? Die Hard is my wife's favorite movie, and she says it's a Christmas movie, so it's a Christmas movie. <laughs> You know, someone told me recently, they said there's two types of people in this world. There's the people that think the Die Hard's a Christmas movie, and there's people that are wrong. So there you go. Die Hard is a great Christmas movie, so that should be on your list. Well, everyone, like Lance said earlier, we hope you have a great holiday, whatever holiday you celebrate. Uh, make sure you come back and check us out uh, next week. Uh, we'll still be preparing you for the Cleveland Browns in Week 17. We'll probably be talking about playoff scenarios. Everyone should be rooting for the 49ers to be the Jacksonville Jaguars this weekend. If they do that, the Jimmy Steelers. G, Jimmy there G. You there you go. Because if they win, if the Jags lose, the Steelers lock up a first round bye. And then also, you need to be rooting for the Buffalo Bills to beat the Patriots. That could happen. They want revenge after uh, Gronk went all rogue and dropped the people's elbow there. So that's going to be fun to watch as well. The Steelers play on Monday. So we'll be back next Wednesday or Thursday. We'll play it by ear. Not really concerned about that right now. Let's hope for a Steelers win. Have a Merry Christmas, everybody. We'll see you next time. My name is Spencer Hall. My name is Jason Kirk. My name is Ryan Nanny. And when we combine, we form the, the Shutdown, Shutdown Fullcast. Fullcast. I keep telling you, we're not Fultron. The Shutdown Fullcast is technically a college football podcast, but it's also a show about lawn care disasters, regional grocery stores we love, Tennessee Batman, homeowners associations, bears and video games. I mean, there's also some actual football discussion, like about coaches having huge contracts or coaches making terrible decisions or coaches saying really stupid things. Or the NCAA saying really stupid things. Yeah, there's lots of stupid things in this big, dumb, beautiful sport. Sometimes we talk about football games. Allegedly. If you want to take college football exactly as seriously as it deserves to be taken, come find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you listen to podcasts like this one. The Shutdown Podcast. It's not Voltron.